Ken Manny's Kids of Jedi podcast. I am your co-host, Hannah. And I am the main host, the Artificial Dragon. Welcome back, everybody. Um, it has been, a once again, a huge gap between episodes. Um, it's our tw- no, it's our 13th episode, right? I have no clue. You're the one keeping track. Well, even I can lose track, Hannah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Kid won't be in today. He has personal issues, um, so don't worry about it. Uh, he'll come back in hopefully the next episode or two. But in the meantime, it'll just be me and Hannah. So looking forward to see how this dynamic goes. Yeah, this will be interesting. So yeah, um, a couple of new updates. We just got our new Patreon uh, art piece with... Uh, oh yeah, the Togruta Damilami. She's got her uh, nice little abs going on there and muscles and nice little spear there. Very tribalistic. And you could go ahead and download her along with other Patreon art pieces that we've uh, uploaded there in the past for merely $10 a month on on uh, Patreon.com slash CanMayo. So that, that's the link that you'll find to donate to the podcast. It's just $10 a month, and if you're not into fan service art pieces, you could donate for as low as $3 a month. So yeah, just go on to patreon.com slash canmayo, and we appreciate your support on the podcast. And what other announcements do we have? Also, we are currently, at the time of his recording, we're currently uh, developing a Discord server exclusive for all Patreon supporters. So even if you uh, donate the lowest amount on our Patreon, you will have automatic... uh, exclusivity to our discord server where you could talk to both me hannah and kit and talk about star wars stuff or just have a good time give us episode recommendations ask us questions yeah all the big shebang so hopefully that will be up in about when this episode comes live on youtube and all the other podcast platforms but fingers crossed (laughs) we shall see yeah so hannah you want to know what today's episode is going to be about? This is the the good boys of the galaxy. Oh yes, we are of course, ladies and gentlemen, talking about the Verpine. There, uh, if for any of you that just got into this episode or have been living under a rock for the past year or so, that's <laughs> the uh, species that my character is on for the video format of his uh, podcast. Anyway, I'm the insectoid teacher, just teaching the Degruda and that. Uh, Weird little Mon Calamari in the bag drawing the Sun Crusher. (laughs) But yeah, we will be talking about the Verpine. And there is a lot of races in the Star Wars galaxy which are cool and are my favorite. But I have a, in my personal experience, I have a personal connection with a Verpine. Because I'm just that weird old kid who loves insects. I love arachnids, crustaceans, all the weird... uh, Creepy crawly stuff. I mean, to each our own. Yeah. You like the the weird races. I like the Sith. Kit likes whatever the fuck he likes. He he likes the <laughs> uh, the uh, sexy races. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about the Verpine. Um, surprisingly enough, the Verpine of as I was doing research for the Verpine, they have a pretty good amount of lore to them compared to the Tegruda, which have like. I don't know, a page or two of lore on them. Oh, look at the diaphragm. Yeah. They only have like a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> Which is saying something because 
Uh, the Verpine, unlike the Togruta, uh, they have no presence in any of the movies whatsoever. On the other hand, we have Shock T and Ahsoka Tano, who are very prominent canon characters, which, very ironic, but uh, shenanigans. Haven't the Verpine only appeared in books? Yes, they've appeared in the books, uh, some source books, comics. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Never on the big screen. Never on the big screen. But you have seen some of their products here and there, but I'll get more into that. So, the Verpine, as I mentioned before, are an insectoid race that live in the Roach asteroid field. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's spelled R-O-C-H-E, Roche, I think. Roche? Roche, yeah. Oh yeah, um, also something to point out, I'm very excited to talk about the Verpine race because at this current moment, let me double check actually, um, okay, cool. There is no YouTube video that exists that specifically talks about the Verpine, so I'm very excited hey, to so talk about is, that. This is a first. This awesome. is a first, so yeah, um, for all of you fans out there that want a simplified version video format of what the verpine are all about instead of going on to wikipedia this is the video format awesome um, <laughs> so we're, we're making you know something stand out that's pretty cool yeah it, it's it's hilarious because i remember when we did the day before we did a cad bane episode uh meta nerds did a live episode on cad bane and i was like motherfucking meta nerds <laughs> But anyway, this is my revenge. Uh, Men and Nerds didn't get on the train before I did. They did upload a uh, ep- a species episode on the Arcana, but they're not the Verpine, so who cares about them? <laughs> um, so yeah, the Verpine live in the Roche asteroid belt, which is pretty self-explanatory. They live in a bunch of asteroids. You remember Polis Massa from episode 3? The asteroid where uh, Padme gives birth to Luke and Leia. Oh, I think didn't of know that. It was an asteroid. Yeah, it was in an asteroid. Hmm. So yeah, um, they don't have a natural home world, so to speak. So they just live in these uh, self-sustaining colonies within asteroids. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. You would think that they would have a home world, but then I guess they don't. Yeah. Um. So each of their colonies, uh, so they have cities with the name of their worlds so to speak like they're slain corporal uh roche g42 stentapole and nickel one is their capital nickel one nickel one <laughs> <laughs> and in, in case you're wondering no it's it's unfortunately not a nickel of floating in the middle of space <laughs> <laughs> so it isn't exactly clear where the verpine originated in the galaxy as they're not naturally evolved in the asteroid because you know they need oxygen to breathe this is a very very obscure race yeah fairly obscure um but there are people in the star wars universe that theorize that maybe these asteroids are remnants of their home planet kind of like odoran so to speak where they got blown into oblivion and they just colonized the asteroid or debris of their planet possibly that's a good theory yeah and others theorize that they may not be native to this galaxy, but they came from out there and just colonized the asteroids. Like the Chiss. Yeah, just like the Chiss. Um, others, uh, if there is an answer, the Verpine aren't telling. They just give the simple answer that they don't know where they came from. It could. They probably could be just an ancient race. They could be, yeah. Um, 
So an average verpine is roughly at an average height of six foot two. God damn, that's tall. They are a very tall but scrawny race. Like, I mean, obviously I don't have any pictures right now, but if you look at them, they're like very frail looking, despite them having a thick chitinous exoskeleton. Um, and they have an average weight of roughly around 132 pounds each. Damn. Yeah. Um, though, interestingly, unlike a majority of insectoid races, so let me ask you and see if you could recall your elementary school knowledge. How many legs do insects have? Six at the most. Yes. And that is the interesting thing. The verpine have four legs, two arms and two legs. So it's kind of a interesting phenomenon. Like, yes, they are insectoid, but but they're also somewhat humanoid. Yeah, somewhat humanoid. Um, not, not, but not by a lot. No, <laughs> they also have vestigial wings, like uh, like like we like how we have a uh, tailbone that we don't really use anymore. They have like wings that just chill out on their backs, but apparently some individual verpine can use their wings. To fly around, but I'll get to them later. I, I, I'm thinking like this is a good comparison would be almost like Devora, but less. Yeah, sentient yeah. Almost. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Huh. Or not less sentient, but less human-like. Human-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a. I never thought about Devora, but fuck her anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck her for killing the fucking scorpion. Anyway, um, we're not here about Mortal Kombat. We're here about Star Wars. Um, it was just a comparison. Yeah, right? yeah. They also have two large compound eyes, very obviously, which allow them to see things at a microscopic level. They, yeah. Yeah. And they have hardened carapaces, which is com- composed of a green chitinous substance, which, kind of silly, I know, um, called carahide. It's just a carapace. Yeah, I know. I don't know why they call it that, but just... Just call it carapace, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and the carahide is as flexible as skin from any other race, but it's durable enough to deflect a a small knife or something, or even a minor blaster bolt. Oh, cool. So they're fairly bulletproof. They're somewhat durable. Yeah. They also, and yes, you did this research earlier about their antennae. Yes, they do do radio signals to each other via their antennae. Um, they're a hive mind, aren't they? Yeah, they're a hive mind. Let me see if I could get to it. Okay. Um, they have two antennae above each of their eye, which are sensitive to radio waves, given that the race are naturally sensitive and can transmit radio waves between each verpine. So they're always in communication to each other, which also goes on to another point. Um, they could actually communicate with each other within a radius of 62 miles yeah so yeah um this silent and instantaneous communication is mistaken by a lot of races as telepathy even though that is not the case you well those who those who don't experience it can obviously see it as telepathy yeah that is fair um and each one of and due to this you know natural ability of communicating instantaneously each of their governments are basically consensus democracies, which is basically like uh, every view is looked upon. They don't have any representatives within their government as everybody can listen to everybody's input at any time. That's 
very smart. That is very smart. Obviously, this doesn't work in a galaxy spanning. No, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, for local government, it's very useful. Like being able to communicate at the speed of light, all of your views and pol- policies and all that stuff. That's pretty cool. That is um, pretty cool. Yeah. And their thoughts on Aries. So in, instead of singing, the Verpine actually rub their legs together to produce sound. Like, like you crickets. Know, yeah, just like crickets or cicada if you want to go there as well with your wings. That's cool. Um, and so they're giant space crickets. Yeah, they're essentially giant space crickets, except, <laughs> well, most of them can't fly anyway. Um, neither can crickets make it hot, though. Um, let's see. And Verpine can display affection for each other by, you know, rubbing their mouth parts together, which is not so different to humans, but that's, that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> so, an interesting thing, if... Uh, the antennae are a very important part of a ver- verpine's everyday life to the point where it has negative consequences if any of their antennae get damaged. Like, all criminals, criminal verpine, are noticed to have all their antennae damaged because they're literally being severed off of the hive mind. That's gonna suck. Yeah, it's all like... You're just imagine you're an average everyday verpine citizen. Just hello, everybody. How's everybody's day doing today? Then somebody just cuts off one of your antennae for I don't know. It's a prank, bro. And then you decide to go into crime. Yeah. Yeah. Very very unfortunate, but now yeah, what can you do? Um, the verpine as a race come in two different types. The first are the main verpine, who are uh. Hemaphroditic and intelligent, so much like the huts, they could choose to be either male or female. And the second type are the unintelligent worker drones, which do all the manual labor, just like... They they aren't sentient. No, they're not sentient. They're sentient, but not intelligent. Yeah, like... Classical insect colony hive mind, so to speak. Yeah. You know, like with bees, ants, and all that stuff. Um, Worker drones... Originally, though, before they got into contact with the galaxy, the intelligent verpine weren't that common. They were just kind of there in the higher class while the workers are the most abundant. But when they became more and more involved with the galaxy and they wanted, you know, more of their, you know, intelligent side, they decided, okay, we're going to produce more intelligent verpine. So they kind of um, implanted special chromosomes into all their eggs so that all of them could become smart verpine. Well, nice. the worker drones are basically clones. I think I did see that in my research. Yeah. The worker drones are just made through cloning. Yep. Fair so yeah, the verpine do have cloning technology, interestingly, interestingly enough. Um, it's probably not expanded on how they developed it. No, but it's there, which I, which I think is pretty interesting. Um... Each hatchling within a verpine colony is cared for and looked after by the entire hive. Takes a village. It does take a village, or in this case, an entire asteroid. (laughs) (laughs) They do, interestingly enough, they are called a consensus democracy, but they do have a queen, which kind of is counterproductive. I don't know, but I don't know. Their minds don't work. It's kind of like the... You know, we have democracy with a president. Yeah, that is true. Mm. I don't know. Whenever I think of queen, I just think of constitutional uh, monarchies instead of democracies. But that's just me. Um, 
<laughs> I for the audience, I also do a D&D campaign and I kind of um, you know, got more into the Verpine government because they're having this alliance with Mandalore, blah blah. I called them the Verpine Collective because I thought it was cooler. You wanna know what they're actually called in universe? What is it? The Verpine government. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no way I'm, I'm using that. I'm calling it the collective. That sounds cooler. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm pretty sure it isn't literally called that, but that's what I came across with my research. But I wouldn't doubt it. The Verpine being a very literal people literally call their government the government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, officially their government is a direct democratic te technocracy with no form of monarchy mentioned, but they do have a queen for whatever reason. Most likely, to like compare it to real life, it's like how Britain was was with the queen. Yeah, they have a parliament, but they also had a queen, but she was just a figurehead. Yeah, I I could see that being the same with uh, the Verpine uh, government. Yeah. Um, just with the uh, the it, queen it, as a figurehead. It makes it easier to understand. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there is a lot sub of substance with a verpine. It's just not dived into or or uh, verified that much. As I've said before, damn you, Lucas. <laughs> also, another interesting thing: um, in the in the asteroids, they eat fungus called meginae, which grow inside the asteroids of each colony. So that's their main substance of food. Hmm. Let's see. Also. Their naming conventions are varied between individual verpine. Like, some of them have single names such as Fizzes or Zizzes or Milgid. Okay. And then there are others that have a conventional first and last name. Uh, a good example would be Kelly Nedrex, Kelly Nedrex, or Uzos Nekilion. Well, hmm. so, I, I wouldn't doubt if... Uh, a lot of Verpine give out conventional first and last name outside of Verpine space. Probably. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. Um, given that Verpine have three fingers instead of uh, usual five like you and I have. Um, three fingers, they normally count in a base of six instead of ten. Hmm. So the number twelve for the Verpine is like four fists. Interesting. Yeah. So... Not exactly useful information, but I think it's nice that they added that little detail in there. Yeah, it's just a quirky little detail for yeah. their race. <laughs> now, since I talked a little bit about their biology and all that, and their government, let's talk a little bit about their culture. The Verpine, are a, as a people, are pacifistic, which makes them a very good allies with Duchess Satine in this context. That's why we made them their... <laughs> that's why we allied with them. Yeah. Um, they would much rather compromise rather than go into conflict right off the bat. They see that as the last resort. Um, and they are known galaxy-wide as the best engineers in the galaxy, specifically starship engineers. Um, respected or not? Huh? Respected? Yes, they are very respected. Cool. Um, let's see. They... Interestingly enough, they developed star-faring technology well before the Republic was founded. So they were, like, going around in the galaxy before even the Republic came into existence. Wow. Yeah. Um, they even at one point created technology that allowed rapid-fire turbo lasers to pierce through deflector shields, which is basically 
for a brief moment in time, deflector shields on all ships was basically rendered useless. That's pretty cool. But that same technology also developed better shield generators. So, you know, each their own. Yep. That's how good of an engine of engineers they are. Um, many of their technology and weapons are highly sought after by many governments and organizations across the galaxy with items ranging from ion blasters or cordial regulators. Basically, it's a uh, form of technology that monitors the heart and if the vitals prove to be irregular, then it basically releases chemicals to stabilize it. That's cool. Yeah. Very and- medical, medical event. I don't know what the fuck they're trying to say. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they develop all form of technology. I think they even developed personalized de- personalized shield generators for people to wear. Oh, so it's not just one specific thing. They create a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. They create a large menagerie of technology in the galaxy. Nice. Um, let's see. To the point where their technology was adopted and, you know, built upon by other races such as the Boffins, you know, the Spy Dudes. and. Yep. The Arcanians, who are basically the space elves of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, one of their more popular commodities are their shatter guns, which are basically um, normal-looking weapons. Like It comes in different varieties, like everything from a pistol to something as big as a sniper rifle. Basically, they're miniaturized rail guns. You could just... Damn! Yeah, just... You could shatter anything with a single round, and it could be as big as a small pistol i know a character who would like that oh yeah the mandalorians come with these weapons they're like (laughs) oh yeah this is the best fucking weapon ever which is why they are so incredibly rare and expensive as hell (laughs) and could only be found in verpine space oh damn yeah yeah they could do massive damage you could it's a good thing they're pacifists yeah, they are pacifists, despite having this well, handheld rail gun. Imagine if they weren't. How fuck would the galaxy be? Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I call them the good boys of Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's even joked that if you run out of ammunition, you could just pick up a rock and use that as your ammunition. <laughs> because, you know... Any material going faster than the speed of sound will obliterate you no matter what. Yep. <laughs> um, to give you an idea, the Shattergun sniper rifle costs between 15,000 to 30,000 credits. Damn. So yeah, it's, it's very expensive. Um, though due to their technology being so cutting edge, there are, there's kind of the interesting implication and slash rumors that uh, they tested these technologies on living subjects. I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't doubt it considering how alien the Verpine are, but at the same time, they are pacifists. Mm-hmm. And very altruistic, as we'll get into later. Um, let's see, where are they? Um... In later years, their engineering would be further improved in their manufacturing of starfighter technology through their company, uh, Slaining Corporal, which produced the V-19 starfighter, which is, uh, I'll have to show you a picture later, but it's basically the main starfighter used by the clone, the, uh, the, uh, Galactic Republic in the beginning of the Clone Wars. Nice. So, yeah, they have a, uh, 
nice little market going in with their military technology. And they also produced the uh, B-Wing, which is a very popular Rebel Alliance uh, bomber slash heavy starfighter. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'll show you pictures later, but it's commonly seen as the most difficult starfighter to pilot. Because you're like, uh, to give you a perspective, you're kind of in a gyroscopic cockpit with the uh, the starfighter itself moving around the cockpit like this. That's freaky. Yeah, it is very freaky, which makes it so difficult to pilot. Um, let's see. So yeah, they developed the B-Wing using... Uh, so at first, I'll go into their history later, but they become uh, allies with the Rebel Alliance during the Galactic Civil War. And... Um, it was a, funny, funny enough, it was a collaboration between the Verpine and Mon Calamari Engineering that brought about the creation of the B-Wing. Hmm. So yeah, they have, they, they have close connections with major uh, good guys in the galaxy. Oh yeah. Which is ironic that they never appear in the movies. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, semantics. Um, Could easily be created in CGI. Yeah, True. Though, that being said, one of their technology, their technology is clearly cutting edge. They don't always land the mark, given their lack of understanding of other cultures and social cues. Like, there is a quote of a Verpine saying to Boba Fett, we are a very literal species. Yes, yes, they are. Which is personified in this one story. So, they have a droid manufacturer called Roche. But uh, that's just its simplified version. Its full name is Roche Hive Mechanical Apparatus Design and Construction Activity for Those Who Need the Hive's Machines. God damn. Yes, it's a huge mouthful. And that's, you know, their literal perspective on that company. But uh, this story always uh, makes me giggle. Um, so they produce a lot of protocol droids like... Uh, so, there's this one droid called the J-9 Worker Drone, mm -hmm. which is basically a droid that doesn't exactly look like the Verpine, but think of like a uh, stick figure, but with the head of an insect. That's basically what the J-9 Worker Drone looks like. <laughs> it's designed as a protocol droid. It knows nearly every single uh, registered language in the galaxy. Basically, it's a bug C-3PO. Yeah, it's a bug C-3PO. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was programmed to speak over a million languages, making it more capable than your average protocol droid, actually. Pretty cool. And, you know, being able to interact more easily with other organics. But here's the thing. Um, number one, it's very simplistic, and its bug-looking appearance makes it very unappealing for many mammalian races in the galaxy. Yeah. It's... I'm, Probably looks pretty freaky. Yeah, as as often as people like to criticize the uselessness of C. Freepio, at least he looks appealing. Yeah, he doesn't look like a bug. Yeah, he doesn't look like he is going to scurry into your walls or something. Yeah. But yeah, number two, um, its name, the J-9 Worker Drone, was very misleading. Like, when I say that name to you, do you think of a protocol droid? No. What do you think of? You think of, like, a... I want to say maybe an astromech or something that actually does labor. Yeah. So, yeah. 
the the naming of a droid is very misleading, but for the Verpine, it's not because, you know, worker drones do everything aside from labor, they do communications. But for every other race, they use this top-of-the-line protocol droid that could speak a million languages, and they just put them in as labor units. That's so stupid! Yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, very and misleading. expensive as fuck! Yeah, and third, it had a very flat personality, being very monotone with its voice, not very energetic or optimistic compared to C-3PO or other protocol units. And C-3PO ain't that, ain't that uh, energetic either. Yeah, just it's to just give... worry wart. Yeah, just to give you an example, this is uh, an actual quote from a J-9 worker drone, uh, you know, activating and doing his greeting. Greetings, Master. How may drone BGRV2 serve as the Hawkeye Colony Hive or Social Collective? God damn, that's yep. so boring. Yeah. Well, the J9 did find popularity with other insectoid races. Its failure was obvious. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a uh, commercial failure, and it was... Not very well received, and also didn't help the fact that the uh, Verpine didn't exactly have the best marketing for the droid either. Probably not. So, but despite that, they improved on their technology, and they actually came back with a better protocol droid that looked more human. Still have a bug head, but it still looked more human. <laughs> it still, still had the bug head, but more human. That's yeah. still fucking freaky. Yeah, yeah. Um. However, they kind of... Uh, tried their hand with other models of droids aside from protocol droids they also did labor units i think there's this one droid called the uh smolter droid which looks more human-like but you remember the mutants yeah that's what it looks like It, it has a very elongated head and everything they're um their version of a human (laughs) it was a lot more yeah it's a lot more positively received because you know it's just a labor droid nobody's going to care about it um so that's a better success compared to the j9 um they also did dabble in battle droids but i'll get into that later um i kind of see a trend whereas like they try anything civilian related it ends in disaster but everything military they hit home yeah like, everybody's like, ew, bug protocol droid? Make it a labor unit. And b- meanwhile, the Mandalorian's like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, a shatter gun. Give me 20 of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway, let me get into their history. Um, Verpine, and so, it's not exactly known when... They joined the Galactic community, but assumingly it's somewhere in the early days of a Republic. Mm-hmm. They actually become very close allies with the Wookiees oh. when they started uh, becoming part of the Galactic community. Um, we'll get a, a more into it when we do an episode on the Wookiees, but their first impressions on the galaxy weren't the greatest. Basically, there's this company called... Uh, okay, basically ancient trade federation-like company came to their planet and enslaved them all. Oh. So yeah, not a very great first impression. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, after, you know, they fucked off, uh, the Verpine actually made a couple of trade agreements with the Wookiees, you know, trading technology, and it was the Verpine that kind of convinced the Wookiees, hey, 
maybe the, the galaxy and the galactic community isn't so bad. We'll be, we'll join this republic. So yeah, you can thank the Verpine for having Chewbacca in the movies. With <laughs> <laughs> Lorelai's anyway. I'm not sure about Out of the Universe. <laughs> oh, one can dream. Um, let's see. During the Galactic Civil War, they were openly sympathetic towards the Rebel Alliance, but obviously couldn't officially join because, you know, there's this uh, big scary empire watching over them. And duh, they're pacifists. Yeah, they're pacifists. Um, though unofficially, several of their asteroids did join the Rebel Alliance to the point where they sheltered some of their best engineers and helped develop a couple of star starfighters for so use by the Rebel. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a couple of highs were like, hey, we want to join you and actually become some of your foot soldiers and pilots and all that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So... They're really good boys of the galaxy. <laughs> um, and after the fall of the Empire, they actually entered in close relationships with the uh, New Republic military. Mm. Yeah. So they're kind of on the same level as the Mon Calamari and... Is there any other race? Nah, whatever. Yeah, the on the Mon same Calamari level as... The makes up a good amount of the... Republic military. Yeah, a, a lot of their star cruisers, um, yeah, the Mon Calamari star cruisers make up a huge bulk of a Republic military, the new Republic military, anyway. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Further into the New Republic's history, the Verpine would have several hiccups in the galaxy, such as the case with the Barbell race. They're on. The Burrowball are also kind of interesting. They're kind of a hive mind reptilian race. Mm. Think of naked mole rats, but if they're a bunch of reptiles. Ew. Yeah. Um, not, 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 not naked, just that they have a hive mind. Mm. Um, but interestingly enough, the, the Barbell actually worship the Jedi, despite being absolute savages. Okay, how the fuck does that work? <laughs> That's an episode for another time. God. <laughs> anyway, um... So, they kind of have this agreement with a barbell where they trade them some of their own home-produced ships, but they got stolen by some renegade Verpine Queen, and the Verpine were like, no, nothing we could do about that, sorry, dude. And the Verpine, not the Verpine, but the barbell were so angered by this, they basically did a uh, secret deal with a, another race called the Kubaz. They're basically a bunch of anteater people. Yeah. Um, and they were like, hey, uh, you love eating insects. We want to eat insects. Could you smuggle us some uh, dissected verpine body parts in our cuisine? Oh, no. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, then the verpine found a barbab ship, and in its kitchen were frozen remains of a verpine that they were going to use for their cuisine. Oh, no. And obviously, this sparked a huge hatred towards the barbell, and they were actually declaring to go to war with them, but, um, what was her name? Mom Muffma herself, who was the uh, head of state of the New Republic at the time, at the time had to mediate everything. <laughs> so, yeah, um, poor Verpine just doing their thing, but a bunch of lizards just want to eat them. That sucks. Yeah. Now, on to the more interesting part of their history. Um, they During this time, they also... Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, for a brief moment in history, some of the Verpine colonists 
became addicted to this substance called black mimesria. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is that a type of spice? It's a, uh, I can't remember what it is exactly, but it's... It's drugs. <laughs> yeah, point is, it's drugs. And it was actually a, um, a, uh, substance made by our good old buddies from Alderaan called the Kilix. Ah. So yeah, you remember how the Kilix basically abduct races and make them part of their hive mind? Yep. That that's basically yeah. Um, that's basically what the Kilogs were planning to do with a Verpine. Just kind of, hey, hey, you want some drugs, kid? Here you go. Become one of our hive mind. Here you go. Come on. God damn. <laughs> so yeah, there was this brief moment in the star in the history of the galaxy called the Swarm War, which basically is a conflict between the Kilogs and the New Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a topic for it. Another episode. But point is, a lot of insectoid races were being uh, subjugated by the Kilix to their side. And the Verpine were one of them. But fortunately, Luke Skywalker, Mara Jade, and Jason Solo prevented that from happening. Nice. Jason Solo is the, uh, can- uh, the Legends version of Kylo Ren, by the way. Ah. Yeah. Um, and then, during the Galactic... The Second Galactic Civil War, for context... Uh, Jason Solo turns to the dark side and he becomes the leader of the New Republic, all that stuff, and he decides to declare war on his uncle, Luke Skywalker. Because why the fuck not? Yeah, that's its whole other episode, but yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, During the Second Galactic Civil War, the Verpine actually signed a non-aggression pact with our good old buddies, the Mandalorians. (laughs) The Verpine were like, we're not going to do anything, please don't hurt us! Yeah, and... You know, they, the Mandalorians were actually fairly close to a Verpine space. It's like, not a, literally a rock's throwaway, but essentially that yeah. from a galaxy-wide perspective. And they were, they were kind of worried about the Mandalorians. By the way, uh, at this time, Boba Fett becomes the Mandalore. Oh. And he's kind of militarizing the Mandalorians more. And the Verpine were like, we don't want to get invaded. Be our buddies. And protect us from outside threats so we don't get fucked and everything. What did Boba say? He said, sure. Nice. And the simple agreement was... um, The treaty was basically the Verpine would supply defensive technology and quality control while the Mandalorians would protect the Verpine from invaders. Nice. So yeah, pretty good win-win. That's kind of what we did with... Yeah, exactly. The Mandalore Treaty and the D&D campaign. Yeah. And their relationship was pretty good to the point where uh, they actually made a Beskar Starfighter. What? Yeah. No fucking way. Oh, yeah, they did. Well, okay, it was the Mandalorians that invented it first. The Verpine basically improved on it, improved on it, made it lighter so that the Beskar doesn't, you know, weigh down the, the ships. That's fucking cool. Yeah. There's this quote I remember reading somewhere where some where a Mandalorian mercenary was all like, oh, yay, a uh, Mandalorian and Verpine Beskar-laden starfighter. Somebody at Coruscant isn't sleeping well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, but it's awesome. Um, and the treaty between both races would be put to the test when Imperial forces allied with Jason Solo decided to invade the Verpines. And true to their word, the Mandalorians came to their aid and fought them off. Nice. Yeah. Um, 
Well, recent attacks. Buh, buh, buh. So I'm kind of fast forwarding a bit. This is roughly around 130 years after the Battle of Yavin. Damn. Yeah. So Luke Skywalker would be gone by this point. He's by the way. long gone. He's long gone, and his descendants are around. Um, and at this time, uh, there was like a, a civil. There was kind of a. Uh, so the Empire had its own uh, emperor. He was very charismatic. He's not power hungry like Palpatine was. Um, but he kind of got usurped by a Sith Lord named Darth Crate. Huh. And now there's like a civil war between both of these galactic empires. One between uh, Darth Crate and the one with his Empire Fell fella. Mm-hmm. And through this civil war, um, the New Republic is no longer a thing. They're kind of going back to being the Rebel Alliance. Huh. So, yeah. Circle continues. <laughs> yep. But, anyway, um, the Verpine are kind of on their own and occupied by Imperial forces. Um, so, and around this time, they developed a new series of battle droid called the IX-6 Heavy Combat Droid, which, obviously, very insectoid looking. Mm-hmm. Um... They utilize this droid as security across their hives because, you know, they don't want to get invaded by the Imperials and depend on the Mandalorians for all of that. Yeah. Um, the Empire was all like, wait, that's illegal. We can't let you build droids. <laughs> Independent nations defending their own borders? That's offensive. <laughs> so basically, the Empire came down and... Destroyed a couple of their asteroids and basically told them, hey, you stop selling these droids now. Otherwise, we're going to destroy the rest of your asteroids. And you, for any other race, they would have complied. They would have been like, okay, we give up. We'll let you subjugate us. Obviously, you're more powerful than us. We'll just lay down our arms and just let you call the shots. I'm guessing the Verpine said, fuck you. Yeah, the Verpine said, fuck you, and continued uh, manufacturing more of their droids, of course, in secret, and gave them off to more interested parties. And I would suspect they would send them off to the Rebel Alliance, the, uh, the... Neo-Rebel Alliance. The Neo-Rebel Alliance at this point. So, yeah, they're, they're doing pretty good, even the future of the galaxy. It's weird talking about the future of the galaxy, because... Yeah. It's all just Legends content because it hasn't been introduced in canon yet. No, no, no. There's actually... Funny that you mention that. It's actually called the Legends era of Star Wars. Hmm. No, not Legends. Legacy era of Star Wars. My bad. It's a, a very fun little, uh, a little era of the galaxy. Like, obviously Luke Skywalker is no longer around. The time of the Jedi is probably like... <laughs> Well, actually, the Jedi are still around, but they went through a second Order 66 by the Empire. Oh, fucking <laughs> But obviously, they're still around helping the Neo-Rebel Alliance. And I think the, the descendant of Luke Skywalker at that time is this guy named Cade Skywalker. Mm. And Oh, so the Skywalkers lived on for over a good, a good amount. Like- oh, yeah. Cade Skywalker's father, Cole Skywalker, is actually the Grandmaster of a Jedi Order, too. Ah. So just yeah, like, just like Luke, and just like Anakin wanted to be. Yep, I think R two is still around there by then. No fucking way. Yeah, he's like over a hundred and thirty years old at God this point. <laughs> Good old R two, yay. 
Which and I uh, imagine the archives of Skywalker's. Yeah. Which is also pretty cool because uh, there's this theory that I remember. I think it was either George Lucas or someone else. Basically, the entirety of the Star Wars uh, trilogies are from R2's perspective. Hmm. I could see that. Yeah. So it's kind of that idea that R2 is just retelling the story of his experiences with Anakin, Luke Skywalker, so on and so forth to whoever is looking at them. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, that's the history of the Verpine, their culture and their biology. Now, I will briefly cover some of their uh, members. Kind of, uh, there we go. Um, they do have a couple of influential members. Yes, they do have members of a Jedi Order as well. Oh, There's so this, they are Force-sensitive. They can be Force-sensitive, yes. Um, there's this particular Verpine Jedi named Baigar Sadat, who is who actually served during the Clone Wars as a uh, Jedi general, oh. and he was one of the few survivors of Order sixty six. Wow, and yeah. not a lot of people survive that. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, there's this comic where it it covers. So there's this old comic book series back in the day by uh, Dark Horse Comics called Dark Times, which basically. It, you know, follows the tale of the Jedi that survived Order 66 and all that. And he, like, appears in a single panel, but he becomes a relevant character later on. It's all like, some Jedi survived by luck, others by pure skill, and Sadad did that by pure skill. Like, if you look at this uh, picture of him, you could see him on top of a shit ton of clone troopers that he murdered. Oh, damn. Yeah. But, unfortunately, he's not a main character. He gets captured by the Empire regardless. Does he die? No. This no? is actually kind of interesting. So, this event... Uh, so, Sadat, along with five other Jedi that were captured by the Empire, were brought before the Emperor himself. And Palpatine handed them their lightsabers and was like, I'm, I'm giving you a choice. I want you to kill each other. And the one that comes out on top gets to live. Here you go. And obviously, being Jedi, they don't want to murder each other. And they figured, there's six of us, and there's one of him. Why don't we kill him? That's a death wish. Yeah. And Palpatine kind of anticipated this. And he was, like, chuckling in the background. And of four, course he fucking yeah, did. And four Jedi jumped at him. And with a single swing of his lightsaber, he cut down all four of those Jedi. Of course he did. And only two were left. Sadat and a female Jedi. And Sadat was all like, shit, this guy could kill us any time he wants to. I, either A, I commit suicide, or B, I go to his side and, you know, live on, probably as a dark Jedi, but at least I'll be alive. He chose option number two, and he murdered his fellow Jedi in front of Palpatine. Ah! And he proclaimed his loyalty to Palpatine. So he turned Dark Jedi. Yeah. And I like to think of him as one of the first Inquisitors of the Empire. Hmm. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that one of the first uh, servants of the Emperor is Verpine, Verpine. which are pacifists. <laughs> but anyway. Um, well, I mean, every race has a person that stands out. Yeah. And his story actually continues. By the way, he's one of a Verpine that actually uses his wings. This is what he looks like. Oh, they look cool. Yeah. 
which is weird because they're vestigial wings, but I guess he's using force shenanigans. I don't know. Anyway, so he kind of uh, is tasked with looking after Jedi that survived Order 66. He becomes a sort of side character with his crew that is associated with a, with a Jedi. They find the Jedi. And they eventually found out that how, how did you survive Order 66? Your story is not lining up. And they eventually found out that he turned traitor. Ah. And at the end, he got murdered by Darth Vader, who uh, was not happy that Palpatine recruited other Jedi to his side. Of course, Anakin being fucking jealous. Yeah. Yeah, Sadat was all like, Lord Vader, I'm also a servant of Palpatine. Could you please free me of these restraints? I could tell you where the other Jedi are. And Vader was all like, wait, you also work for Palpatine? Yeah. Die! <laughs> God damn. So yeah, he didn't get to live for too long. But he's like, he's an interesting character. Yeah, anyone else? Let's see. There's a uh, Verpine priest, which is, who appears... In one of the old, uh, the old Star Wars comics back in the day, hmm. he doesn't look like a Verpine at all. No, no, yeah. he doesn't. No, he becomes friends with Chewbacca and uh, when uh, Han Solo at one point, and it's kind of interesting. Like, what is religion to a Verpine? Because obviously yeah. we have a priest of the race, but how do they view religion, and what is their God, so to speak. All of those are kind of left unanswered. Of course. Yeah. Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> but let me see. Um, Any other members? There's uh, Megat, who is a... Uh, he's a member of a Rebel Alliance. He's just a little computer nerd. <laughs> he was actually involved. So there's a point in time where the empire basically framed the boffins who are close allies of a republic that hey they caused the extinction of his one race over here and this guy was basically a slicer for a republic and did some you know digging to see if that was true or not so yeah a lot of uh of these verpines filled a lot of tech rows and starfighter rows nice but that's all i have in regards to the verpine that's a decent episode yeah, I'll... Huh. Okay, not as long as the Togruta episode, but yeah. Well, there's not a lot of information on the Verpine compared to the Togruta. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'm very happy to cover a little bit of a Verpine race. Um, One of my personal favorite uh, species in the entirety of the Star Wars universe. Like... The Verpine are basically that friend that you know is dependable and will help you in a tight spot, but they're not very good at social situations. That happens. Yeah. You know that meme where that uh, guy is at a party and he's just in a corner with a cup and he's all like, they don't know that I'm so-and-so. <laughs> For the Verpine, they're all like, they don't know, but I'm actually one of the best Starfighter pilots in the galaxy. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I just have a, a nice little personal connection with a Verpine. Hmm. I, I just wish that... Uh, I mean, Disney is exploring them a little bit. Like that uh, section where the Verpine produced sound by rubbing their limbs together. Um, that was actually an insert from Sabine Wren, who is actually a huge fan of the Verpine music that they produce. That's interesting. Yeah. 
So apparently they have like operas and everything where they just rub their limbs together. It probably sounds like, you know, like violins or something. Yeah, exactly. Could you imagine like a couple of verpine and some other races, you know, with their own instruments of a verpine don't have like any an instruments. Like orchestra. Yeah, and they don't have any instruments at all and they're just like... Rubbing their arms together. Yeah, exactly. That's I, pretty cool. I, yeah, I would pay money to see verpine just rubbing their limbs together. Why can I see Thrawn listening to something like that? Oh, Thrawn would be down for that. <laughs> and Palpatine because, you know, Elgin fuck. Oh, that reminds me. Um, Remember that scene where Palpatine is all like, you remember the tale of Darth Plague is the yes, wise? Yes, in the opera house. That, that particular event, that particular show was actually performed by Mon Calamari. I, rem- I remember seeing that in the background. It's like you could see water. Yeah. So it had to be some aquatic race. Yeah. So you can see the connections between the Verpine and the Mon Calamari already. Yeah. Which is why we are so important in this podcast. <laughs> well, it's Gruda also, but yeah, whatever. But anyway, um, you have any more questions about the Verpine? Not really. All right. So, um, yeah, this is a little bit shorter episode than usual. Probably the shortest episode ever, actually. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, yeah. just, it's a it's a race that hasn't been expanded upon. Yeah, but interest. It's kind of interesting that they have more cultural and government uh, depth than the Tegruda are. Yeah, but the Tegruda are just like tribalistic. Yeah, it's tribalistic, but it's also they're just more widely, quote unquote, widely spread throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, they contribute through the Jedi Order, not necessarily their culture or anything like that. Well, the Verpine contribute purely through their culture. It's just while the the Tegruda are more involved in the galaxy as a whole. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, the artistic ones or the tribal ones. Yeah, that is true. But anyway, um, thank you, everybody, for listening to this uh, Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. Or in this case, how awesome can the Verpine be? <laughs> But anyway, um, you want to know what our next episode is going to be about? What's the next episode? So, we uh, covered two of our most favorite villains in all of Star Wars. Vitiate, Fraun, Cad Bane. But now that it's my turn, you want to guess what our next character episode is going to be about? If it's sticking with villains, I'm thinking maybe... Did Boba Fett? I will probably save Boba's Fett for our uh, later episodes if we get enough Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> but you're kind of on the right path. For the next episode, we will be talking about uh, one of the most angry beings in all of Star Wars. General Grievous. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, one of the most angry beings. I would say Maul is a pretty angry being. No, Grievous is a pretty angry boy, as we'll get into later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me on that. But I'm looking forward to talking about Grievous. Second favorite right next to Cad Bane. Well, of course. Yeah. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's kind of short and sweet, but that's the point of this podcast, regardless of the subject. But anyway, I hope you guys are having a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And um, yeah, do you have any closing statements? Kind to each other. <laughs> May the force be with you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.